Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. Having immigrated to the United States from Albania at just nine years old, Greta Barami came to the U.S. with the American dream in mind, starting a roofing company. No, it's not exactly what she had in mind. But after applying to a Craigslist ad for a roofing foreman, spending three years learning on the job, and studying everything she could get her hands on, Greta started Golden Group Construction. Nine years later, and she's shattering glass ceilings in a male-dominated industry, rewriting what it means to be living the dream. I'm excited to hear her story and find out what's made her so successful. So let's get this show started. Hi, Greta. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, you know, usually when I uh, have guests on the podcast, I love to kind of find out, you know, how you got into roofing. And I know you have a really interesting story. Um, not even, you know, how you got into roofing, but um, your your journey um, to the industry and, and to the United States. And so, uh, you know, I could certainly list off some some bullet points and, and some highlights, but I'd love to have you kind of tell our listeners what that journey looked like and, and how you got, uh, you know, acclimated to the United States and then how you got into roofing. <laughs> yeah, certainly hold on for the ride. My journey started <laughs> in uh, Albania, uh, across uh, the ocean on the other side of the world. I grew up in Europe and my parents decided that in 2000, they wanted to embark on uh, coming to the United States for a better opportunity for not only themselves, but also for my future. And uh, we left Albania behind because at this time in the late 90s, early 2000s, Albania was still going through a lot of problems with its government bodies. And my parents said that this was the perfect time to leave. Coming to the United States growing up, I was the girl that was hungry not only to understand the American culture, but the, the people and really capture my own American dream. I always thought that I was going to go off to law school. So I applied myself. Um, to my studies. I actually didn't end up going to law school, but I actually ended up uh, attending for business and international affairs. And it wasn't really until my final senior year in college that I was given an opportunity to work in the world of construction. And it really opened up my eyes to an industry that I thought not many people, especially entrepreneurs, took advantage of, meaning they didn't really want to invest in this industry. Up until then, I always thought that I was going to open a coffee shop or somehow tie myself to the world of hospitality. But the business person in me said, why not construction and why not roofing? And after spending three years uh, under the guidance and mentorship of the general contractor I was working for, I really said to myself that I want to be this girl that has this successful roofing company. And I never forget when I told my friends or my parents that I was going to open a roofing (laughs) company, how crazy they thought I was. And I remember my father almost wanting to cry because, he said, you know, roofing is not for girls. Like, you should be wearing heels. And not that that's sexist in any way, but, you know, yeah. he was just like he wanted his little girl to dress up and go to the office with her friends. He didn't want me to wear construction boots and go to the job site because he was just old world and that's just the way he had envisioned my future. But nonetheless, I still decided to embark on this journey and open the goals, the doors to Golden Group in the year 2012. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, uh, first of all, a lot of people don't grow up thinking of that they want to join roofing, let alone immigrating to the United <laughs> States. You know, wanting the American dream, and then uh, you know realizing that what you wanted and and you know what you have today is something really successful and and good. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting the perspective that some people uh, have on the industry as a whole. And uh, so, Absolutely. yeah, it's a really good message to share, and I'm glad you did. You know, there there's a lot um, in there too that I, that I just want to unpack a little bit um, because you went to school uh, originally with the idea of that you wanted to be a lawyer, um, and then yeah. I guess somewhere in there transitioned into business. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. and then. You know, entrepreneurship was always my calling. I always knew that I was going to be a CEO of some company one day. That was my ultimate dream. And I said, why not have it be my company? And why not have it be in this industry that I see a light bulb go off? Because it was a light bulb moment. I remember being at a construction site. I remember supervising it. And I remember this moment coming to my mind and saying, well, people seem to love the way I approach the construction site. People seem to love the technology that I bring to the construction site. Why not do this? for the everyday homeowner and why not do it as me, as Greta? At first, I was very afraid of that thought. Ultimately, I thought I was going to always franchise my the company that I was working for. I always sure. said to myself, when, when the moment that you want to franchise, I'm going to be the person. But then I said, why not have it be me? Why can I not do my thing my way and ultimately hold all the power? And that thought was very scary and very big. Uh, but I knew that to get it right, I had to do it myself. Yeah. Now, now, how did you how did you get connected with a with a roofing company of all places? I imagine that wasn't the, <laughs> that wasn't the first place you looked when, when you were considering. Uh, no, that was completely by chance. Uh, when I was graduating, two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, the economy was still picking up. We were coming post recession. Not many people were hiring in international affairs, uh, finance. Uh, finance had taken a big hit. Um, yep. <laughs> so I stumbled upon this ad that said roofing foreman. $300 a day. And I was like, done. I don't even Sign know what this up. is, but I can do this. <laughs> um, and now you might say that's kind of crazy. And most people probably pass through that ad, but maybe it was meant to be. I, I stumbled upon that ad and I stayed there and I embarked on it and I did it. And some things happen for a reason sometimes, but maybe I had to be the first push and maybe others like me out there had to be the first push for, to create a chain effect where we create this draw, you know, this, energy and flow towards the world of construction because now me being one of those female voices for roofing in Massachusetts, I definitely see a lot more younger individuals such as myself giving this industry an opportunity. So maybe I was meant to click on that ad so I could start something and start something here where I'm, where I am today. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of our listeners um, know this industry pretty well, but I mean, tell me, what was it like coming into a, a, pretty male dominated industry um eight or so years ago kind of to, to where to where we're at today and, yeah. and and how you see the industry progressing yeah. you know going forward well i'll say this before i start that it's come a long way in the last eight years um i think the growth that we've seen in the last eight years in roofing it's tr- just in the female presentation of it is tremendous it's exciting uh, but where i started eight years ago especially at 21 years old it was a very dark 
rugged. I don't even know how to explain <laughs> it to you, but it was just not a positive, glowing yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. It was an atmosphere that used profanity. It was an atmosphere that was sort of dark. It was an atmosphere that you never really got full respect for the work you did, even though you were dealing with millions of dollars every day. You have to remember that the average company you know, generates in the millions. So this is not your everyday mom and pop shop. We're dealing with big ticket items and it never felt like we were doing enough. Uh, it never felt like we could relax or breathe for one moment. It was just very fast paced to a lot of anxiety, a lot of having to prove yourself. Uh, and a lot of times there was a lot of, you know, disrespect. Yeah. Not that it just came with the game, right? You had to have thick skin into it, but being a woman, it just meant that you had to work twice as hard. Um, because I did have to, and at first it was cute. There was a girl on site, but then it became like, okay, if you're going to be here, like you have to carry the same weight. And then it became about proving myself that I was worthy of everybody's respect equally. And I, and I walked through all those stages and I embraced all those stages because I realized that at first I was going to get ultimate yield just by being a woman because the guys respected that. But ultimately they weren't just going to respect me just because I was a woman. I had to prove that I was worthy of the trade and I had to prove that I was worthy of standing side by side with them. And I did all that. And I'm glad that they put me through those tests because it would made me the person I am today. I'm glad that they, ultimately made me prove myself that it wasn't just because I was a girl, I was ultimately going to get their respect. Yeah. I think it says a lot about, you know, who you are as a person and that, that you want, you, you kind of look at it as, um, like a challenge, right? Like you know, I'm, I'm out to prove Absolutely. myself and prove that I belong here. And I think that, that, you know, ultimately, uh, earned you a lot of respect and the attention of, you know, your peers and stuff in the industry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything in life, you have to prove it, that you belong there. And if people are challenging you to prove yourself, yes, you can get a little bit upset about it, but ultimately you have to rise up to the challenge and accept it because if you want to be the leader of the pack, you have to show that you are ultimately supposed to be in that position. And what better way for me than to prove to each member of the team that I had the knowledge and, you know, I had to do, take a lot of courses on the side. I had to study a lot of books at nighttime, but that didn't mean that I couldn't do it just because I was a girl or just because I was 21. I was very much in the state of mind that, you know, you can gain a 20 year advantage if you put the work, you know, you might have 20 years in construction, but if I study every night for two years, I may be exactly where you are after that two year period is up. Cause I might have, I will just work harder and stronger every single night to prove to you that I can make up for those 20 years. Yeah. I, I imagine there had to be a moment there in that, in those first, what maybe it was the first week, first day, first month, um, you know, when, when you started and you said, you know, I don't know, like this, <laughs> this isn't what I signed up yeah. for. I mean, when, when was it that it was, uh, you know, what changed for you kind of in that, in that moment of like, Hey, yeah, you know, this I mean, is where I belong. I've definitely had a lot of moments like that. And you know, those moments come and go, I can't say that they're gone forever, even today. Um, but some of those moments came when I was dealing with bigger projects with engineers and other construction supervisors on site. And it came to uh, when people would see me show up on the job site um, and they saw me as a woman and ultimately they would ask, where's the other guy or where's the guy or who's the guy? Uh, and yeah. sometimes, you know, you'd get disrespected. And in those dark moments, um, you would say to yourself, do I really belong here? Like, am I really fooling myself? Because it seems that I can't fool anyone, right? So you almost believe the imposter within yourself. You believe that, hey, this guy all constantly keeps asking to see the guy that is running this job site and he can never get over the fact that it's me running it that maybe I shouldn't be running it at all. And sometimes you have those moments on site when you look down and your hands are dirty 
um, and you scroll through social media and you see your friends having a great time and you wonder like, why am I here? (laughs) And to tell you that I haven't had those moments would be a lie. I've, I've had those moments where I question it, but then I look at what we do every day. You know, I drive by job sites that are mine and I drive by homeowners' lives that I've touched because I see the bigger picture. And then I say, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. And that's how I get through those moments. And those moments will always come and go. I don't think they'll ever go away 100%. And maybe that has to do with just the fact that those insecurities will never be 100% gone today out of me. But maybe for the next generation, they will be gone. Right, right. Yeah, that's isn't what we strive for. <laughs> yeah, isn't it true? We always want better for, for the next generation. Um, you know, there there's a lot more... Um, Groups and stuff. I know, you know, we had talked briefly before, like National Women in Roofing is a is a group that's, you know, obviously uh, uh, for women in the industry. And I feel like its presence has grown, you know, exponentially these last, you know, several years. And uh, I know you're not only a, a member of that, but you're also, uh, correct me, you're on the board in, in your area? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in Massachusetts Council Chair. Yeah, it's, it's a very proud moment to be part of National One Roofing because it puts everything that you're working so hard on, it puts it into the bigger picture and it makes the fight so much worth it. It's almost like a sisterhood where you see others that are joining the same purpose and mission that you're on and this is mission to spread that, you know, first of all, just to spread that the trades are great. It's a great career and roofing is incredible, uh, but it's also a great place to work and it's also a place that's always a need. So why wouldn't you work in an industry that's a need, that's an infrastructure of the world? So just what I love about National Roofing is that it brings that connection to the bigger picture and it unifies people in the trades, especially obviously women, and it lets us feed off each other's. Uh, so when we have those low moments, we're able to come out of them quickly uh, and we're able to keep pushing forward into the bigger picture. So, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy ride. I mean, our chapter is small, only six strong, but we're every day we're constantly running one more member, you know. And although, you know, what's, what's happened in our in our markets right now and everybody, the shift that we've had, we're still going forward every day. We're still trying our best to continue to grow the message of empowerment. And we're in this together. And it's a mission of purpose and always the bigger picture. Yeah, that's that's really great. And I'm glad that that that, um, you know, group exists. And uh, I, I only see it getting stronger and stronger. So it's really good to, that you're involved in that. I know another thing that's really near and dear to you is being the first female treasurer uh, for the New England Roofing Contract Association. Uh, can you tell us a little more yeah. about that? <laughs> yes, I'm very, very proud of that. <laughs> I As you should be, that's great. By another board member. <laughs> another board member asked me to be on the board and I was so proud to be on the board essentially as a board of directors and while serving on the board as a board director last year the board voted that they wanted me to become their treasurer and it was such a humbling moment because not only was I the first female treasurer but I was really the first youngest person in that room to hold that position both as a woman and as just a young millennial and that was that was a very powerful moment into me I remember looking around the room and seeing these faces and I was humbled that they chose me to to be the future in the face of what's coming for the roofing industry because I don't think they chose me because I'm this extraordinary person you know I think they chose me because I'm willing to do the work today of where roofing needs to go tomorrow and it is this younger face it is this 
um, this uplifting generation that's going to take it to the next level with enhancements of technology and customer experience. And then obviously with enhancements of products as well as roofing keeps evolving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's two really good things, um, that you're bringing and it's, it's, um, a female perspective and a millennial perspective. So both of those I think are bringing fresh ideas into the industry. That's going to help elevate it. Exactly. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about Golden Group. And so, you know, you, you obviously, you know, um, uh, seeked out a job as a, as a roofing foreman and then, you know, kind of sharpened your teeth there and decided to go out on your own. So what was that experience like, you know, making that decision to go out on your own? And then, you know, what is, oh. what's the core concept behind, you know, Golden Group? Yeah, of course. Well, now let's go back to that day. Like it was a crazy <laughs> idea, first of all. Sure. You have to be sort of a little crazy to <laughs> take leaps like that. Um, not every person does it and for, for their own reasons. So just the thought of opening Golden Group was insane to me at the time, but maybe that's my entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, when I'm very excited and passionate about something, I see it and I see it like 15 years. And maybe that's a flaw and maybe that's a <laughs> gift. I don't know what it is, but I'm almost like that child that could get to be I could see the end of what's coming, like the film, like even when I'm watching a movie, I always, I always guess the finale in my mind. <laughs> and that's what I saw with Golden Group. Yeah. Like the moment the idea came to my mind, I envisioned what Golden Group was going to be. And maybe I didn't envision exactly what it is today. Maybe I had a little bit lower expectations, but I'm very happy that I surpassed my vision. And opening its doors, I remember telling people and they told me there's no way you're going to make it because in construction, you really need to have family in the United States or say that you have an uncle or an aunt in construction, which I didn't because only my parents are here. Um, and or they told me you have to be like a male who's like maybe in his 40s. Yeah. And I'm not that either. Yeah. So <laughs> I decided to still do it though. And I decided to still open the doors. And it was really, really hard. Um, but I realized that I could be good at something. And that was, I could offer that Greta touch, right? Like I realized very early on in this game that if I could be different, if I could offer a completely different experience, because I don't make roofing shingles, I don't make the products, but there's nothing proprietary about what I do other than the way I do it, the way I handle the transaction, the service-minded attitude that I give behind the transaction, and the way the clients feel with me. And I said, if I can make this feel be a want, that people want to do this with me because of the feel I give them, then that is exactly what I'm going to do. And that's what's going to be proprietary about Golden Group. So from day one, I knew what I had to do to make myself different. And I never looked left or right. I think too often when people want to open a company, especially in roofing, the first thing they do is they check out what their competitors are doing um, and they check out what's going on and they want to like do everything overnight to copy, you know, who's the, and that's a, essentially that could be a short-sighted tactic because all you're doing is you're trying to just eat off the other guy's plate, but he's going to notice and he's going to take the plate right out of you and then you're going to be hungry again. So essentially what you have to do is you have to harvest your own, fruits you have to harvest your own vegetable and eat when it's time for you to eat right but that's like that theory that i had i said i'm not going to look left or right or try to copy what these guys are doing to get a little bit of their scraps i'm going to make my own crop and i'm going to harvest it every day and i'm going to eat out of my own fields and that's what i did i i created this company all on my own with my own visions with my own purposes with my own customer experience and every day i'd enhance it and make it a little bit better make it a little bit better make it a little bit better but now I'm like separately owned lane. I'm in my own lane entirely and I don't have to compete with anybody because in my lane, I have a very niche target client and I know what the client looks like. I know his, his or her characteristics. I know their wants. I have it so dialed in 
then I know exactly who I'm serving every day when I get up in the morning. I know exactly what my purpose is and who's my client. And when you are able to niche your business that much, uh, you truthfully hit gold because you are in a completely different category than everybody else. And with Golden Group, that was something that I saw from day one that I had to do. And in the last eight years, I think that I am almost there at saying that I've successfully done just that, where I've created a, a very target client I've perfected and realized the needs and wants that they want to have with Golden Group. And I've aimed at it every single morning when we get up. That's and good. that's what I call the Golden Group difference. Yeah, no, that's that's great. You know, I, was, I wanted to ask, you know, what kind of differentiates Golden Group? And I think you outlined a lot of things. But, uh, you know, what is that audience that you focus mm-hmm. on? And how, how, did you, how did you determine what that audience was? Well, I realized, like... First, I had to see what I wanted to become and who was going to be the receptor of what I wanted to become. What I wanted to become is I wanted to become a niche contractor. I wanted to become a client. I wanted to become an organization that catered to the client's needs. And I wanted to always consult people. Think of us as the architect. Even though it was roofing, it was seven items, you know, accessories. I wanted it to be customized for the property. I wanted to go into their kitchen table, listen to their needs, their wants, hear out their objectives and their goals for their home, and then go back to the drawing board and customize the roofing project just for them every single time from scratch. Even if I think it needs a little bit more leak barrier, even if I think it needs a copper detail, whatever it may be, I want it to be for them. And then when I met with them, I wanted to be the experience to be an educational roller coaster where I take them through each step and I make them envision the roof. I almost give them a theatrical performance of what's to come. Hmm. And then I didn't want to get into a sales negotiation. I never wanted a sales negotiation. When I first introduced this, com- this concept to GAF and certainty, they thought I was a little crazy. Because I said, what if we took the price out of the equation? What if the price never comes up? Because I'm not really there to sell you. I'm there to educate you. And, when, and we realized at Golden Group that when we took the price out of like the conversation, I mean, the price is always there, but we're not going to talk about it for hours. We're going to talk about it when the client's ready. Because ultimately, it's their home and they hold all the power. And when they're ready to buy, they're going to buy. And, they, and I think clients, if you educate them enough and you really push them toward, with your expertise, they're able to make the decision that's convenient for their property. And and I want the client that's an I want the client. I'm attracted to the client that wants to hold the power of his own transaction. I don't want the confused client, although I'll take everybody. You know, I'm a business owner at the end of the day. But essentially, that's not who I'm going for. I'm not going from somebody that's going to fall to a negotiation, you know, sales approach. I'm not going for somebody who's going to, you know, go with me if I drop $3,000. That's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that is going to let me show them what I know, my knowledge. It's going to let me guide them. And then it's going to be able to make the best decision for them based on the information I've provided. And if that's not me, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent at peace with that. Yeah. There's, it's funny. There's a, there's a big, um, not the bait, but there's, there's kind of two, there, there's two sides of it where, uh, companies are generally, they're like, Hey, we're one call closers. You know, we want to get in there, <laughs> close the deal and get out. And then there's kind of the two call consultative approach. And it sounds like you take more of that consultative mm-hmm. approach. You want to educate them. And, uh, you know, you and I are in alignment there where, you know, down the road in five, 10, 15, 20 years, um, I think the buyer becomes, you know, like you and I in that millennial generation where we have, you know, knowledge at our fingertips. Absolutely. We're not, um, subjected to kind mm-hmm. of that pressure where, where we feel like, this is my only option. This is what I have to go with. Uh, it's no, it's, it's more like I'm prepared ahead of time. I I've got, uh, maybe I'm going to, you know, check out a couple different companies, um, and, and see, you know, what, 
what are they going to bring that's different? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, I'm in agreement there, there 100% because the tech, the techniques of cell now work with the older generation, but what's coming ahead in 10 years, it will never work because most likely most American homeowners in the future are going to be working in some sort of service industry themselves, meaning in some way, shape, or form, they are tied to a sales department within their company. So trying to use sales tactic on that is going to be an outdated approach. And the only way that sales will grow is by taking a different approach. And that is that relaxed back approach where you let the client make their decision. Because if you're good and if a client knows you're good, they're going to make the right decision for them. And that might be you and, and it might not be you. But if it is you, then that's great because now you've got a customer for life. And at Golden Group, we see people that have four-year-old estimates and five-year-old estimates that come to us and say, I'm ready to do my roof. I actually had a call like that this morning where I, I told the client, like, we switched CRM. Well, I don't even have the paperwork. But yeah, yeah. she said she saved it. I mean, she saved a five-year-old bid. And she said it's okay if the price has gone up, but I'm ready now. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly the Golden Group difference. That's the vision that I had in 2012. And I stand by it today because I think if we're having this conversation 10 years from now, I think that's the only way that business will move forward. When clients are ready to do business with you, they will come back at you to buy it. And, and, you know, it's it's that same theory, whether you are buying in the mall or whether you are buying a car, you save up for the things you want. Yeah, I love the analogy you make to a lot of. (laughs) Sorry, I I love the analogy you make to luxury car dealerships. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think everybody saves up for the what they want. And, you know, there's always going to be some emergency situations. But again, we don't create policies and procedures with the exception. We create it with the goal. And the goal is to have clients that feel good about buying with you. The goal is to have clients that ultimately respect you so much they become friends for life. And there, you know, there's no buyer's remorse. There's never none of that. And we realize that we, because we take anxiety off the table from the moment they meet with us, it's always worked in our favor. It's worked in our numbers and it's worked in our growth. And I think that's a win, win, win. I don't think I would, I don't think I would love people to challenge me on that. And maybe 10 years from now, we can look back and see whose argument won. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw, I don't know, it was the other day, but somebody posted like, I don't have three hours in the afternoon for you to come sit down where both myself and my partner are <laughs> home. And, and, you know, I've got the kids that are doing, trying to do homework or trying to do dinner. We, you know, we just don't have that kind of time to devote to this. And if you're not going to meet with me because my spouse isn't here, well, then I'm going to take my business somewhere else. And so I think you'll start Absolutely. to see more and more of that as, as kind of the uh, generation that's owning homes becomes younger and younger. Exactly. And now during COVID, I mean, even now when the worlds are changing, we offer all of our experience to be streamlined on Zoom. Um, if a client doesn't want to meet in person, we can continue. We will do we will do all the, the 3D renderings of their homes. We will, we will take the whole process and we'll do the whole consultation over a Zoom call. And that's been actually very successful. It's allowed people to be relaxed. They're, they're at home. They're having less wine or a cup of coffee. Uh, we're still continuing the conversation and we're still having a good time talking about roofing and we don't have to take time out of their busy schedules. We don't have to have the spouse there uh, because, you know, if you were to ask me, my husband has to be there. Well, you just asked the wrongest question because, right. you know, <laughs> being, being that I am in a leadership position, I think I'm, I'm very good at making decisions. So I think it's, I think it's a, it's an old approach to sales and it's one that's the new generation with blended families is going to find quite irritating. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree there. Um, I wanted to switch. I, I think I had heard that um, that that you don't not that you don't let your sales reps see profit, but that profit isn't you know a centerpiece yeah. of 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 kind of the, the the deal. Absolutely. So 
our sales consultants and our staff really even foreman are only able to see the job like conversions and sales in the beginning stages but after the job begins and once we start ordering materials and permits and dumpsters they don't actually see that anymore and the reason being is we never want a foreman to make a decision of not buy, not buying more material because he's so concerned about the profit margins or a sales consultant not doing the right thing um, just because he's so concerned about, again, that, that margin. I think when you are allowing your staff to see numbers too closely, they become obsessed with numbers, and numbers is great, but it's great for an accounting. In sales, if you're only running with a number and you're so focused on the number, you forget that this is somebody's home. You forget that this is roofing. You forget that, you know, this is a need, not a want. For a lot of people, you know, yeah. maybe roofing wasn't what they had planned. Maybe they had planned something else and roofing came up unexpectedly. So it, it, it dehumanizes them and it makes them robotic. And I never want people to be robotic. I want them to be sensible. I want them to be, to have empathy and to feel what the other person's feeling. Because although 50% of our clients, you know, want to remodel their home, it's a great experience. Other 50% was probably the worst thing that could happen to them. It was horrible timing. They were going through something completely different. They didn't need this to come up, but it did. And they had to do it because it's not like a kitchen where they could postpone. They had to do it because they wanted, you know, not to have water dripping on them when they were sleeping. So I think when we take numbers off the board, once the job has begun, we're able to use our human instincts and really take care of people. And then we can review numbers at the end once everything is closed and once the client is satisfied. Because ultimately, we have to remember that the reason we did this was to have clients. And if we worry about profits, we're going to forget that profits are, you know, are an equation that are connected to clients. So... It's a big circle, so I think you have to subtract yourself out of it so you don't enter this hamster wheel where you're forgetting what you're even doing. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's a good point. What is, what's your sales rep's um, engagement level throughout the sale? I mean, some people, you know, they, they sell the job or, or they go for the appointment. If they sell the job, great. You know, they hand it off to production. If they don't sell it, then it gets handed off to maybe a rehash team. Mm-hmm. What What does the process look like for your, for your sales team? Are they taking that lead from... Uh, what do they say? Cradle to grave, I think is the expression, but yeah. they take yeah. it from, from beginning all the way through. Great question. So yes, they, um, we don't have a rehash team. We want our sales consultants to have the opportunity to continue harvesting those relationships with clients. Cause we, like I said, at golden group, we have clients that always come back to us six, seven months later. I mean, the oldest one is seven years. So we always have clients that come back. So I don't want to them um, to think that just because they didn't get it today, they might not get it tomorrow. As long as the client told them not right now, they can always check in a couple of months down the road. But when they are with a client and they do get the contract signed, they have to carry out that process till the end. So it's essentially it's about four hours of their time that they're spending. I mean, maybe one or two hours in those beginning stages and then an hour during construction time where I really want them to be engaged and come there just to, to sort of put a face because the client remembers the sales consultant. That's who they really developed a relationship with. That's who they had the phone text, the calls, the emails with. So I want them to show up the day of to just say hi, you know. So we make it strategic so they're able to stop by uh, so it's convenient for their schedule. And then at the end, we we have a closing out procedure where we require them to either close out virtually or close out in person if they can. Um, there's a small company gift that we provide that the sales consultant takes over and really just, you know, handshakes them and hopes that they will, um, you know, continue to spread the word about the Golden Group difference. And it's really what the grand finale, because although I'm involved somehow, although my production managers are involved throughout each step, essentially the sales consultant is the face that they connected with and it should be the face that they part ways with. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I think the thank you gift's a really neat thing. Can you ex- expand upon that just a little bit? Yeah, I do this every year. This year is a little different. This year we're doing these beautiful um, trays, these wooden trays with our logo on it that's just very small and hidden on the corner. We got them down from a distillery out in Kentucky that custom made them for us. I think it's really important to leave a thank you note behind, but most importantly, a small gift that will blend well into their environment and will be memorable. You know, and we've always thought what could be memorable and, you know, this beautiful wooden tray could be used as a coffee or could be used when you're having a scotch or a brandy. And then we just, we love leaving it behind because it's so beautiful. It's so high end and it stays in the client's home forever at some corner of their home. And somehow one day they'll pick it up, serve coffee, and then they'll think of us. But most importantly, it's just a gratitude, right? It's just showing somebody that we're grateful for them. Whether, whether there is no gift budget, for other companies, I think just even a letter will do, but it has to be a personal letter. It has to be a letter that touches upon the whole experience, not just thank you and a sign off. It has to be personalized. And to us, those letters actually have um, about a 60% return rate because, uh, and I don't mean return that the letters come back. I mean, the client <laughs> writes a letter back yeah. and then we hang, we hang up those letters in the office and it's very sweet because when you write somebody a letter, it's old school and it's obligation to write you thank you back. And they do it all the time. And it's, it's just great. It adds to the overall mission of what we're doing every day. Yeah, I was going to ask what, what, what the uh, customer's uh, response was to these gifts. I imagine it's not what they expected, uh, you know, when they decided <laughs> to do business with you. But I'm sure they're really grateful for it. Have you got any, anybody that was, you know, overwhelmed or really surprised by, by this uh, notion um, of gratitude? Yes, all the time. <laughs> all the time. We get people that are surprised all the time and very yeah. excited to have us there. So um everybody gets excited and over you know they take pictures of it they hug us uh but we don't make a big deal out of it i mean we really tell the people it's just just to say thank you um just thank you for being another part of the golden group family and you know i even when i didn't have a big budget i would always do this in small ways i would always find a small way to say thank you to somebody back in the day it was a small candle or um, a small tote whatever i could to have them realize that i was grateful for them yeah. Um, again, again, it's like when somebody comes to your house or so when you're doing something, I don't know. I always felt like Golden Group is my home. And when they come <laughs> to my home, I have I must bring something out to say thank you. And because I can't actually bring out a drink or a snack, I bring them these little gifts and I hope that they'll remember me. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's a, it's a really great idea and a really good gesture. Um, we're going to wrap this up here soon, but I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you, what do you attribute your success to? Yeah, great question. I think I attribute my success to the individuality of me as a person and my brand. I think the word brand comes up a lot in discussion. And in construction, I don't know there's a, just that there is too many companies that identify themselves as brands. And I think I, I, the success of where we've gotten today is because I've been able to really fine-tune my my characteristics as a person and have that be reflective of my brand and once you successfully do that whatever that means for you and again you don't look right you don't look left you just look in the front um you'll able to, you'll be able to see a vision you'll be able to see a map of where you, you are meant to go and you just you just follow that and you are truthful to yourself and truthful to your brand and truthful to your people and you always have the right intention of people before profit I think you'll do great. And I think you will always reach your own success, whatever that may be. And I think that's what's led to the success of Golden Group is just the ability to be a good person. I don't know. I know it sounds cliche, but Mm -hmm. I really care about the people that work for me. And 
and it starts with them. It starts with the roofers. I don't know if you've heard my message before, but it's the hands on the roof that matter. Um, they bring this art to life every day and it starts with them and it starts with taking care of them and it starts of us working together and us taking everything that we hold dear as a group and putting that into the brand every day so other people feel it. And I think that's ultimately the success. It's taking the characteristics of yourself, your people, and making it the individuality of your brand. Yeah, I think that's great, uh, great advice and uh, really appreciate you coming on and sharing that information with us. Um, I generally ask, yeah, you know, of course, my pleasure. Yeah, I, I generally ask, you know, what advice you have for others, but I think you just did it. I mean, <laughs> you gave folks a lot of a lot of good advice. But I'd just say, if if you know, I imagine that a lot of people are going to be really receptive to this message and to your story. Um, so, for those listening, uh, you know, what would you tell them when they're uh, you know looking to uh, maybe branch out on their own uh, or looking to uh, even break into this industry? What kind of advice would you have for them? Um, as they as they embark on that, I think the only advice I would give them is to use their resources. You know, I don't think people realize how many resources are available to them. I don't think I did either until I was really into it, uh, five years into it. I think if they're looking to, to to do this on their own, is take advantage of the resources, take advantage of the network opportunities, because there's so many out there. And you, of course, you have to vet each of them out and see which one is for you. But if you take advantage of the platform that others have created for you and you come with open mind and you come with those barriers and walls down, you're going to be able to absorb so much positivity and so much information. So if, again, you come vulnerable, but you leave, you leave, you know, a warrior and triumph and you leave successful, but you have to come in with an open mind. I think sometimes we go into these conferences or seminars or we go into these partner relationships, kind of having our walls up and not really being hundred percent open. And I think we don't take advantage fully to what's in front of us. So I, I, whenever I make new relationships and wherever I enter or embark on a new journey, I come clean, right? Like I, I come as a clean slate because I want to take as much as I can. And then of course make it my own, but at least I want to come in and take as much as I can at first with leaving with a, leaving a lot of my opinions at the door. And I think that's the best message I can give somebody that's starting you it's come in, listen, take advice from the older guy in the room or the newest guy in the room to the smallest guy to the biggest guy, and then find your own voice. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I also think it's good advice for even even the veterans in the industry. Um, I think sometimes Absolutely. you can get stuck stuck in your own ways, and uh, uh, you know, if something work, why why fix it, right? But there's there's a lot of reasons why. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been really good. I know everybody's going to take a lot away from this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Greta. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow one of our social channels. Until next time, see you.